I think a joke that really lands is when she goes into details about like astrology and um, <laughs> not astrology. <laughs> Astronomy. She's like, my Sagittarius moon is not lined up right now. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched Wet Hot American Summer. So there are exactly two reasons why we decided to do this movie. Reason number one, it has the word summer in the title of the film. And reason number two is you haven't seen it. I watched this obviously not way back in 2001 when it first came out. I think I, I, I actually watched the Netflix kind of sequel to this um, back in like 2016, whenever that was. And then it prompted me to watch the original. And watching it that way, it was kind of a weird thing because obviously you're supposed to watch, you know, the movie the 2001 movie first and then get all the references that are mentioned in the show. But in doing it the way I did it, I still got all the references from the movie that it was referencing in the show. Um, and I was so surprised at how many like characters were, were brought back and, and how many like running gags from, the movie continued on to the show. But I think in my opinion, this almost like this movie almost reminds me of kind of a, a very drawn out SNL skit. Yeah. And I think the, the show did a better job in just making it more like plot oriented and, and like important feeling um, much more like character weight on the on the show um but this this was just stupid and fun and i think they nail it i think some jokes are really funny and then some jokes kind of belong in 2001 yeah so i was watching it and i don't know i can't remember exactly what point probably when they go into town and all do like heroin and meth and all that (laughs) and then they come back and they're like going to town's great even if it's just for an hour you're like oh okay like the the tone of it is like a a raunchier Mel Brooks Naked Gun type movie, like <laughs> like a it's, parody. Yeah, it's a it's a parody. It's absurd, but it's not really parodying anything specific. So it's just kind of absurdist. Um, and what's funny is you normally like my process is to kind of like take notes, and I was just like, you don't really do that for this type of movie. Like I still have some stuff, but it like. The plot does not matter because it's not real, um, and so it 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 was interesting. I, I basically I was like, I need to take this less serious, and like there are moments where I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny, that's pretty funny, and then like I completely like bust out laughing because I was like, oh, that's hilarious, and so like I agree with you. Um, some of it doesn't work so well, and it was funny too. Is like the little bit of plot there is. I guess there's like two kind of main plot there's a main plot a plot like 1a slash like 1b and then (laughs) like one sort of bigger side plot and then a bunch of tiny ones like you know right and right 
the main plot being the Coop and Katie, like, will they, won't they, which who gives a shit. And in the end, when it doesn't work out the way you would think, like, is you're like, oh, that's actually pretty well written that they went, like, they zag at the very end like this. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because when you were saying how, like, absurd and asinine this whole thing is, it actually has a very real grounded ending that, like, it that almost mimics real life, you know, like it's not one of those perfect movie esque sort of endings. And, um, and it's actually one of my favorite things about the movie is the way it does zag. Um, the, the other thing too is, so obviously we have the Coop and Katie, um, plot, but then we also have the camp director falling for the astrophysicist camp neighbor guy who I thought they were going to go in a much creepier way with him because (laughs) they made him look like a total, like typical weirdo Um, with like the glasses and the mustache and the khaki shorts. And, uh, but then they, they like really like made this character like extremely likable. At least he was to me. Yeah. Um, and so at the end, where that was the only relationship that actually worked out, <laughs> well, that one and Molly Shannon's, but we'll, we'll get into that one later. All um, right. But, but when that uh, relationship really worked out, I was just like, okay, I guess I was rooting for them all along, you know? Um, so, so let's start. Let's start with the fact that it's a bunch of kids playing kids. And a bunch of 16-year-olds really just playing 16-year-olds. And there's nothing weird about, you know, 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds playing 16-year-olds. Well, what's interesting is, like, they don't... So, the only person's age... We know, like, two people's ages, I think, right? Molly Shannon says, I'm 34. And then uh, Katie, uh, played by Marguerite Moreau, says, I'm 16 at the very end. And you're like, what the fuck, really? And so she was. You, you didn't. You didn't get the fact that they're like like Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper. They're all like the more adult camp counselors are all supposed to be like sixteen years old. I guess that's the point. But Molly Shannon said she's thirty four, right? So like she's but Molly. Molly Shannon, the nurse and the director. I I thought it was established that they were the only three adults. I mean, maybe with that, the one woman named what Nancy, um, I guess she was Who? probably one of the adults. She's, Oh, the, the nurse. Yeah. Is that, is that what she was? She was the nurse. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, I don't even know if her name was Nancy, honestly. Gail. It's nope. something. Gail's, with Gail's no, Molly Shannon. Gail's Molly Shannon. Yep. Yeah. That's no, okay. Well, we can, we can stick with Nancy. But it's funny is Paul Rudd it would have been 32 when this came out and Marguerite Moreau <laughs> would have been 24 when this came out. Well, uh, Michael Showalter would have been um, 32, 31. Yeah, about the same. Everyone, Yeah, like I said, everyone's in their 30s. And what I didn't know, too, I just read before we started is that Michael Showalter wrote this along with the writer slash director something wayne right yeah right so which is funny because i haven't really seen him in a whole lot besides this um i'm sure there's some other (laughs) stuff this this is the thing that ruined his career (laughs) 
Yeah, too. And the other thing, too, and just from the top is, like, you're not rooting for him because he's such a fucking loser. Like, but not even, like, a likable loser. He's just, like, every time he's, like, talking, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, Katie's better than you, man. Like, maybe you got to work on your... <laughs> As Christopher Maloney eventually tells him, you got to work on yourself first. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christopher Maloney's character as, like, the, the worn Vietnam cafeteria guy is such a character that... Because I'm, I'm used to seeing him as, like, the cop from... Um, SVU. SVU. And so to see him in, like, this kind of role is so weird. But I didn't realize his, his like, comedic timing is so perfect. No, yeah, he's hilarious. I will say, though, that, like... And my, I guess my one issue with the movie is like maybe some of the. It could possibly be I didn't know what I was getting into, and so I'm just like, oh, you know, this isn't what I expected. But like some of the more like just kind of absurd stuff, I thought was just like it. I guess it was so unreal that I was just like, ah, it's not. I don't find it that funny. Like, but once they, the opposite of SNL where they put a joke into the ground and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not funny anymore. The more they did jokes in this movie, like I started to enjoy it. Like the Molly Shannon yes. thing, I started to enjoy yes. more. The first Christopher, a couple Christopher Maloney stuff. I was just like, yeah, this isn't funny. And then he just kept going with it. And then the can of be- the can <laughs> of corn starts talking to him. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. You, you've won me over. And then the other thing I noticed from the start is I was like, Paul Rudd's not a real character. Like he's not a real person. I was like, the other people seem like real people. And I guess that was my first sign because I was like, yeah, he's not like he's not a real character. He's just like a fucking like cartoon. And then I was like, oh, that's what this movie is. OK, I, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the the Paul Rudd character loses me when he lets like two or three kids die. <laughs> I was just like, OK, nothing in this fucking movie actually matters right well and then him uh, throw like the other kids say something to him and he like goes on a drive with them and throws them out of the car whenever they become suspicious of like malintent in the camp they they just end up missing too so so the character victor who's like coop's friend in this i don't know why but they're like freaking out that vic is like making calls from inside the camp and, like, the only other phone is in the infirmary. So when they go into the infirmary, they start freaking out and, like, breaking everything in their wake. And it's, it's the least funny joke to me in the entire thing, is that part. Well, so it was to me, too. However, the fact that they kept going with it, like, this is what you meant by, like, just, like, jokes that they run into the ground. The fact that they kept breaking stuff and kept freaking out and kept breaking stuff... To me, it got funnier and funnier the more they did it. Yeah, that was the only part that didn't work for me. I was just like, all right. No, yeah, it didn't not. work for you? Um, the other thing, too, you brought this up before we started, but so the the main storyline of, like, Coop is in love with Katie, and Katie's like, oh, I want to find you a girl. And as she walks away, he's like, I want you inside me. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> that joke is also repeated with, like, the, the, the cafeteria guy where he says inane shit and then people are like, wait, what'd you say? And he comes up with some, like, really poorly rhyming thing, you know? Hey, I thought his ending was not great, too. Like, the, when he actually just starts humping the fridge, I was like, okay, I get, I get it, I guess. But I, I did like getting back two jokes we liked. 
um, the professor, uh, you know, played by David Hyde Pierce. At first, he like I think he gets mad because she makes a Star Trek reference, but then immediately is like, oh, no, I actually I do want to like sleep with you. So he like tries to show interest in her again, and she's like, she kind of leaves. So he's like, oh, I have to go fucking teach these kids at the camp, right? And <laughs> no, I don't think it was a, it was the Star Trek reference that he was mad at. He just he said no, and she kept pushing him, and he was like, I said no. <laughs> Well, the, when she made the Star Trek re- reference, he like turned around and was like, okay. But he comes into the camp and he's like, hey, do you guys know where like the, um, how do I say this, the indoor kids are? And they point over there and he looks, he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, uh, when they're building up like their relationship and they're running to Nancy, which is her name, by the way, and like they run a pastor and they're like, where can I find a book about astrophysicists? And she's like, a library or a bookstore? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then he runs past. And he's like, where can I find a book about camp directing? She's like, and, uh, also library. <laughs> yeah. And then um, when they like meet up the next time they meet up. I think a joke that really lands is when she goes into details about like astrology and um, not astrology, <laughs> astronomy. She's like, my Sagittarius moon is not lined up right now. No, um, the and she's like, and he like is enamored by her and and like very impressed. And then as they're walking away, and he's like, yeah, man, this camp. You know, the first camp was founded in 1939 or some shit like that. No, yeah, that was funny. I um, I I think that the them going and both being in the library, like the the first of all, I think the funniest one of the funniest scenes is the town scene when they go into town. Like all, like we said, all the drugs they rob a lady. No, it's like a it's like a bender. It's like they they smoke some weed and they they drink some alcohol and that leads them to hardcore heroin yeah like a crack house basically um i think that part is great also um you know not to be too lecherous but elizabeth banks looks really great in this um and like when she comes in and like starts cheating with paul rudd it's it's funny and like in a normal movie you might be like oh fucking paul rudd i fucking hate him in this but just this movie doesn't matter so you're like like it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting like the it's so weird to like wrap my head around what this is, you know, really like, <laughs> but I think you described it perfectly when you said it's a cartoon. It's a car. It's a live action cartoon. Right. Um, also, uh, two characters we haven't met, uh, mentioned Bradley Cooper and Amy Poehler. And this is like, obviously both before, before both of them were big. Um, and the Amy Poehler character is interesting. It's like a, you know, it's like a slightly tweaked version of her Parks and Rec character, right? Like, still super charismatic about things she, like, cares about things and, right? But just, like, she's more of a bitch in this. Whereas in, like, Parks and Rec, she's more lovable, at least, you know, second season on. Um, and Bradley Cooper is funny. Like, it just seeing him do this and, like, the way he started his movies to what he is now, like, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, it's funny to go back and see him in this. I feel like Bradley Cooper is a perfect um, that guy. 
especially back in his like beginning career. I remember seeing him in um, Wedding Crashers, and then I remember yeah. seeing him in eight in uh, in the A Team as Face. And I remember watching Wedding Crashers and having no fucking idea who he was, and then watching the A Team, recognizing him on who he was, but I couldn't place him. And I literally was like to myself, I was like, oh, it's that guy. But now it's like fucking Bradley Cooper. I mean, who doesn't know Bradley Cooper? Well, for me, I think he was more established once the A-Team came out. But yeah, like Wedding Crashers, you're just like, oh, this guy's a great asshole. <laughs> and that's like the first <laughs> that that's it may not be the first thing I saw him. It's the first thing I saw him in and like recognized him and was like, oh, I, you know, I'm now going to know that guy going forward. Um I yeah. could also imagine that if you went to a summer camp that you would talk like the robot kid. <laughs> Wait, me personally? Yeah, yeah. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> First of all, that kid saves the fucking day at the end, okay? And second he, of all... Is he responsible for moving the satellite? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. But but uh, And that's a whole plot line that we have to talk about. Because I, it's so random and so out of left field. But the the thing is, though, is that, yes... Like, maybe at that age, I was the weird kid who liked bugs a little too much. But I didn't fucking, like, keep to myself and, like, pretend I was an alien, okay? I'm not—I was I was weird. I wasn't psychotic. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Fair enough. I mean— No, yes. no, no. You don't understand. I am, I am very passionate about this, okay? <laughs> I, am... I, have, I may have been a loser, but not to that extreme. So— I want to exactly. get. We've already talked about the the van crashing and that guy, you know, saying he had sex with a lot of women, but then he's like, "No, I'm actually a virgin." And his the other driver's like, "Wow, you're a fucking loser." <laughs> um, <laughs> but I want to get to the uh, the gay romance of the movie, and to start with, so we don't know about it until like Michael Ian Black, the other cook, and JJ like see these girls going into the water. And what's at one point you see like one of the girls take off the other girl's top. And I was like, is this going to be a nude scene? And then it cuts back to it. And they're all still wearing like their bathing suits. It's like, oh, okay. It was like a weird, it's perfect. Like it's the type of movie that it doesn't matter that stuff like that happens. Cause you're just like, oh, maybe it was meant to, maybe it wasn't. Do you know, do you know how when in family guy, Peter references something as like a cutaway scene mm-hmm. and, or, like, even if it's not a cutaway scene, Peter's, like, you know, fucking gets his head blown off or something. And then it's just, like, the the rest of the show is perfectly normal. And everyone yeah. acts like nothing happened. It's like that. Exactly. Um, still disappointing, but whatever. And then Michael Ian Black walks away and they're like, oh, man, why is he like this? We got to get him laid. And then you get this, like, very sensual like gay sexy and that doesn't actually show anything but like shows a lot of thrusting between michael ian Pack and bradley cooper it's hilarious because the whole time that that's going on you hear their discussion about how like lame and virginal and and you know like um that that it's completely reliant on them to get mckinley laid and they're like oh yeah we got to get him laid uh, what about abby what about Jessica? Oh yeah, Jessica. We we really gotta gotta get him with Jessica, or you know whatever. The entire time he's just 
banging the fuck out of Bradley Cooper. Very centrally, though. Um, and then, like, the gay marriage ceremony afterwards that they see, and they're like, I don't think it's a slur I'm going to say on here, but they're, you know, that, that was one thing that, cha- like, definitely aged differently. I guess we can talk about it real quick, is they they use, the, it's like progressive movie, right? But, like, it's a comedy, so they use, like, the F word. I'm going to say it. And then, um, what's funny is they call him that, and then later on, they're like, they're like, hey, you know, you too. We've got something for you. Oh, here's a Shea Lounge. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my yeah. gosh, that's exactly what we wanted. And then <laughs> the the Molly Shannon joke where she ends up with this like 10-year-old or 12-year-old or 13-year-old, whatever. Like, one, that joke was probably fine in 2001. Today, you could not do it. And I don't think in 2001, you could have switched the genders of those two people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yes, and, and no, you're absolutely right. And it's such a weird, like, because the entire time that little kid is, like, her support system, like, really talking her through, like, the divorce with her ex and, like, not wanting to get back with him and stuff like that. And I thought it was just kind of this, like, almost like a therapist role that this kid was playing out. I didn't realize... I, I don't know if you're supposed to realize until the very end that they're like now romantically involved with each other. But yeah, you're right. It's very weird. Um, especially that it, she's not one of like, she's not supposed to be one of like the 16 year old camp counselors, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. She says her age. I think it's at the ending though. It does like really work for me because it's unexpected. Then you're like, Oh, that's really funny. Like, it's funny, and I appreciate that they like went for it. You just you could not go for that anymore. Molly Molly Shannon playing like a a wrecked divorcee. A, the scene where she's like, "Yeah, we're gonna color with these crayons," and she pulls out a brown, and the girl, the little girl, is like, "Why can't we do it with these markers?" She's like, "I just don't get it. There's a lot of them, and they're multicolored. There's only one brown can- a crayon." And then Molly Shannon just breaks down in tears. It's for me. I laughed so hard at that. I thought that was hilarious. Right. Um, the next thing that I really want to talk about is like we get back on the Katie and Coop thing, and they like the them keep changing shirts because like they're cold. She's like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm cold, and she takes his shirt, and then their jacket, whatever, is really funny. And then they make out, but like an underrated line in this, because there are a ton of Jewish jokes in this movie, but Coop calls his parents and they're like, yeah, I met a girl. It's great. He's like, I don't think so. She does have a big nose, though. Like, it's totally like his parents are like, is she Jewish? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, the camp counselor, the camp director, who's like, hey, Coop, maybe you shouldn't get like too far ahead of yourself. And he turns around and he's like, it's okay, silly. It's, it's just be happy for me sort of thing. And then he walks away and then she's like, okay, whatever. That was weird. Like, she doesn't she's actually like, ah, give a shit. Yeah, I'm, I tried. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, um, no, so, so back to the, to the Katie thing, because she's going back and forth between Coop and Paul Rudd, right? And Paul Rudd is basically cheating on her with Elizabeth Banks. Um, which is like, Paul Rudd did this movie just to make out with two super hot actresses. I guarantee you. Uh, I don't know. Have you, have you talked to him about it? Yeah. Yeah. Personalized personal text thread, but the, uh, 
the scene where he gets absolutely disgusted by Elizabeth Banks having barbecue sauce on her face. And then every time it cuts back to her, she has more barbecue sauce on her face. That scene, you can't deny that that was one of the funniest scenes. I, I enjoyed it. I really, I really did. Um, the, the, the Maloney ending we already talked about. Um, but when we get back to, uh, did you recognize David, the, the voice of the can of vegetables? It was Archer. Okay. So it's funny that you say that. Cause I know him as Bob from Bob's burgers, but it's H John Benjamin who does a lot of this like voice. Right. Stuff. He is, he has a very distinct voice. I haven't watched Bob's burgers, although I know he's the voice of both. It's, it's a very similar voice. I think he has such a distinct voice that it's like somewhat hard for him to change his, you know what I mean? Like to not know it's him. I feel like it's the, it's like the way he goes into a character. Like Bob is more him as a person. And then Archer is, he just kind of like goes in it with a little bit more like masculinity, you know? Did you ask him about that? Is that what he said? On the thread with Paul Rudd, him and Paul Rudd. I don't Rudd. know why you th- why I have to have like a personal relationship to just guess people's like motivation. <laughs> so I want to get back to David Hyde Pierce and Janine Garofalo. One of the and this is like a straight naked gun joke. They're like they're walking together, and he's like, "Hey, can we meet later in like ten seconds to discuss this?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And then exactly ten seconds pass. She walks over, and he's like, "The Skylab is falling," which I love. At the end, it's just this fucking metal cylinder and it's just a <laughs> skylab on the side I'm like all right that, there there it is uh yeah the fact that they pass that picnic table like literally five seconds before he says that and then when she goes over there it's like full of kids and like equipment and stuff um the other thing about it too is like i he's like we need a random number generator that randomizes numbers between one and twenty it's like, where are we supposed to find that, boss? He's like, it's a supercomputer. And he's like, well, would this 20-sided dice work? The D&D kid is great. He's, like, really yeah. funny. It's super, super cringy in the beginning. Although it could have been worse, but, like, with the girls, when he's trying to get them to play D&D, he just keeps asking. Um, I wanted to get to this part. It's the one part where I'm just like, that is really fucking weird in this movie. So this movie takes place in what, like either Maine or New York, like somewhere in between. Sure. I know Coop, Coop's from Maine, like it's Northeast, whatever. When Coop goes to Andy after she's like, she's basically told him yesterday was a mistake and he gives her this whole speech and he runs off. Coop then goes to Andy, who's in his bunk, and above Andy's bunk is a Confederate flag. Okay, okay, okay. So you noticed it too. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that doing there? What's even the point of that? I like to think that it's like this character that we're not supposed to like, but like it's Paul Rudd, so of course we're going to like it. So like him. So the the writers are like, we have to make him subtly racist. The thing was though, like a Confederate flag in 2001, like it was just like more commonplace in television stuff. So like like, if you had that in a TV show now, you'd be like, oh, that guy's a fucking asshole. But in 2001, like, it appeared in shows a lot. But this is, like, a very liberal-leaning movie. To then just have that sitting over his bed and, like, not address it is very weird. Would it have been better if it was, like, one of those, like, don't tread on me snake flags? Or, like, is this, like, pretty, like, this is the worst? 
it's just it was so odd to have it as just a background piece that is not mentioned and i don't know like it's probably something that in 2001 was like not brought up and people are just like oh yeah so he's an asshole but like it's like i think if this movie was made now one it just wouldn't be there but two if it was there it would be a more deliberate thing that would be mentioned so i just maybe maybe the fact that it was yeah i mean maybe you're right maybe the fact that it was supposed to take place in 1981 and and paul rudd wore cut off jean jackets that the production designer was like you know what this is the type of character that would chill with a confederate flag hanging above his bed you know I guess maybe it's just like a big Dukes of Hazard fan. So who knows? Exactly. Um, exactly. The Coop and Christopher Maloney montage is pretty fucking good. <laughs> That's that was one of my favorite scenes where it was just like it was a dancing montage, a training montage, and for absolutely no reason, just the payoff that he looked ten times cooler with that haircut at the end than he did through the whole fucking movie. Um. Also, I love the how he matches the outfit with the um, cut-off shirt. Right. The, yeah, mid, well, the midriff. It, it kind of felt like it kept getting shorter and shorter. Um, oh, maybe it did. Then we get to the uh, talent show, and the Skylab is going to land on the rec hall. You knew that the old guy, Alan Shepard, was played by Coop, right? Yes, I'm not an idiot. It was in the text thread. Okay. I was like, did he dress up like this? At my first thought was like, he dressed up like this old guy. His jokes are killing, and then he's going to reveal it's him. And Katie's been like, oh, that guy is funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of the talent show was the kid comedian who's like, yeah, white people sound like this when they get mad. <laughs> and then the guy out there is like, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. The... Uh... At the end where Coop comes in and he's all cool and he hands her the little box and then she pulls it out and it's the jacket. I thought it was going to be stupid, but like out of anything that that could have been in that box, the jacket actually was like, that made sense. That was like the only thing that, that made sense in the fucking show. When he walks in with like his fresh shoes and his haircut and the bandana and the, and the cutoff um, uh, shirt... The way Paul Rudd looks at him, he's like, he like turns around. He's like, (gasps) the other funny thing Paul Rudd does when the robot kid step steps up and then starts controlling the wind. Paul Rudd's just shredding with like a fake guitar as the wind's hitting him for no reason. So, yeah, it it was either the weird kid who actually could communicate with aliens who actually moved the thing and the weather. I love like the, the the nerds who were like reminiscing about it the next day. They were like. We did that, right? Not not the not the weird wind thing. <laughs> and uh the astrophysicist is like, Yeah, 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 we did that. I like how he gets the Hopkins Award and it lo- looks like a like a T ball baseball trophy. And then he yeah. ha- he hands it to someone off camera like to hold it. And he's like, I know we've been trying. It already worked. I'm pregnant. Like that whole bit is really good. I'm glad you like that. I thought I thought it was just so fucking random. So we get to the end of the movie, and my favorite part of this whole movie is at the end. You think Coop and Katie are like a thing, and then at the very end, she's he's he's like, "So 
I'm going to talk with my parents and we can get together, you know, next break. And she's like, Coop, 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 listen, I'm 16. And I'm sure if I were older and, and things were different and you're such a nice guy, but all I'm thinking about is sex, sex with Andy, not even sex with you. Because the only thing going through, <laughs> it's just, she lets him down and he's just like taking it like a champ. He's like, yep. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That all makes um, sense. But yeah. She, uh, it's kind of a depressing ending for a comedy, but I thought, I thought it, it worked. Cause like you said, you, you're never like really rooting for Coop anyways. Right. And then the after credit scene, I think is really funny. Cause it's like the callback to like 10 years from now, let's just meet here at like, you know, and just as we are. And they're like, well, what time? And he's like, I don't know. Let's say nine, so we'll all show up at nine thirty. And they're like, "Well, how about we be adults and we say nine thirty and we show up at nine thirty? And the other guy comes, and like when the guy comes in, he's like, "Oh, I thought we said nine thirty. He's like, "No, we all said nine, so we'd be here at nine thirty. And then the movie just cuts. I had a pause because I had to see how everyone was dressed. Me too. And yeah, me too. Everyone's just dressed so like guys are like gray suits, and the girls are just like white dresses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is the Michael Showalter who plays Coop. He reminds me of someone who could have been in like kicking and screaming, just like one of those dudes at like college. Like he could have played one yeah. of those characters. Yeah. He in in the in the 10 year later after credit scene, the way they had him like made up, he had like five o'clock um, shadow um, shadow. And thank you. Yeah. Five o'clock shadow. And like his hair's like slick back or whatever. And I was like, oh, he's not like a, a horrendous looking guy. But in the rest, in the whole movie, they make him look so bad. Like they make him look like the ugliest motherfucker. <laughs> I think it's just the hair. Because Ken Marino is not a bad looking dude either. But then with the curly hair uh, that Victor has, he looks like, you know, not great. So um, overall. Hair can do so much for someone. Overall, I like this movie. I um like I guess I had several moments where I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm like I'm glad we did it. Yeah. I just love how we just shit talk this movie and we're like, yeah, at the end, you know what? Not so bad. Not so bad at all. I think you're playing up like the couple of parts that I didn't like, you're like, God oh, fuck it, we said it sucks. Like, no. There are a couple jokes that no longer work. There's an like a very weird Confederate flag above a bed. Those, like you just got a couple things that I have questions about, but like, yeah. Otherwise, it's a very good movie. You, you should watch the show because I feel like the show really like ties things together, and I think it's genuinely funnier. So I think you'll enjoy that. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and this is David, and I finally watched Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs>